Welcome to Highly Sensitive, Happily Married, the podcast that teaches you to not only have an easier marriage as a sensitive woman, but to have one that feels more amazing by the day, where you'll hear relatable stories, love advice that works, and coaching on how to have a marriage where feeling upset and disconnected is a thing of the past, and where instead, a sense of loving connection and even fun and lightness is the norm. I'm Hannah Brooks, highly sensitive person, love expert, and marriage coach, and I'm so happy to be on this journey with you. Hello, beautiful, sensitive friend, and welcome to episode 137. This is actually a bonus episode. I had some things I really wanted to share with you today, and it's also the last episode for several weeks as I'm going to be taking a tiny sabbatical from the podcast, as I do often at this time of year, just to give me a little downtime to spend more time with my family, to refill my well, and really help keep my business and my ability to serve you really well, super sustainable. But don't worry, I will be back soon. But today, right now, I have some special things to share with you, particularly if you are at all discouraged in love, or you're feeling like everything you do in your relationship isn't changing things for the better, or not isn't changing things enough for the better, or if you're feeling like you might just have to put up with a less than happy relationship if you want to stay in this marriage. So if any of that's going on, this episode is for you. But before we dive in, I just want to make sure you didn't miss the news that treasured my group program, my in-depth marriage coaching program, is currently open for enrollment. It's a short window for enrolling this time around. Although the doors stay open until November 8th, I highly, highly recommend you check Treasured out and make a powerful decision for you and your marriage about whether or not to do it now by November 4th, which is Saturday. Because if you enroll by November 4th, you get the amazing extra bonus course called Foundations of Emotional Well-Being for HSPs. This is going to lay the incredibly strong foundation for all the other skills and all the other powerful coaching you're going to get when you take part in Treasured. And it's also going to get you just what you need to be emotionally grounded and well in all areas of your life into the future. And of course, that's just this bonus course, not to say anything about the incredible transformative power on you, on your marriage of participating in Treasured. So to learn more and sign up, head over to lifeisworthloving.com slash treasured, or just go to the direct link in the show notes. But let's dive into today's topic, shall we? So if you're feeling discouraged or like you might just have to resign yourself to an unhappy marriage forever, or you have to, even if you think you might have to leave to be happy in love, if you're feeling any of that, I want you to understand that it is not likely happening because of what you think. Meaning it's not some flaw of your partners or of your own or a combination of both of you together that's stopping you from having a great relationship. And the good news is you can actually do something about it. You can put an end to that debilitating discouragement or sense of resignation or suffering or unhappiness. 
and you can make true lasting positive leaps in the level of love and connection and satisfaction that you feel in your marriage. And it starts with seeing what is getting in the way of that. So let's start with that. So if there is one thing that boils my blood when it comes to our intimate relationships in this modern world, just kind of in general, it's this. So many women like you so deeply want great love so badly. They've always dreamed of a mutually supportive, deeply connected and loving marriage. But this is the part that boils my blood, not that last part. They haven't been provided the perspectives on them, on relationships, that actually allow for them to bring those great relationships alive in their lives. In fact, they've been taught the opposite. In other words, so much of what you've been taught as a woman about having a great marriage actually keeps you from having one. You as a woman, just like all of us women, have been unconsciously conditioned by society to put this most precious desire of yours, of having a great marriage, probably along with other things that you want, on the back burner. You've been conditioned to believe a set of toxic myths that actually make the mature deep, mutually supportive marriage that you dream about ever elusive. I've mentioned some of these toxic myths before, like great love just happens, or your happiness is in large part in your significant other's hands, or it's all about finding the right person. And if you don't, well, then there's not a lot you can do if you can't get your partner to go to couples counseling with you. So you can either resign yourself to dissatisfaction or leave. So those are just a handful of these toxic myths. And one of the worst ones, that investing in learning how to have a great relationship is unnecessary or selfish. As if your happiness in this most essential relationship with your significant other isn't one of the most important things as if it was selfish, as if you don't deserve it, as if somehow relationships are in some special category of human activity that makes them above needing to develop any skill to do them well. Ugh, it really does make me angry. I see women take in this crazy hurtful messaging and then live with total dissatisfaction and discouragement in their marriages for years or give up on a relationship so full of potential before they even give it a full chance. And that can be, by the way, 30 years in. Time doesn't make giving it a full chance. But anyway, this messaging is one of the prime reasons, I believe, that the divorce rate in the US, at least, is so high. And that relationship quality is so low in so many of the couples that don't get divorced. I believe that this is a large part of why women's happiness in relationship tends to be lower than men's. There's a study I just stumbled across that talks about how over the course of a year, they studied cohabitating couples, and 42% of women thought about leaving during that year, whereas only 26% of men did. 
And this other fact that's pretty wild is that in 70% of divorces, it's actually the woman who initiates, right? So that says something about our happiness as women in relationships. But our unhappiness in relationships is not because there are no good partners out there or that your particular partner is especially annoying or stubborn or problematic, right? It's because this messaging, these myths, these toxic myths make us as women not feel empowered and motivated and worthy of what we want enough to take the reins and harness the incredible power that we have to grow our marriages with the current partner we have into ones full of a mature, lasting love and a sense of being on a true team in life together. In other words, this messaging discourages us. It truly undermines the possibility of creating the relationship with our spouse that we want in our hearts. It leaves us forever unhappy in a situation that has all the workings of being totally fulfilling and beautiful. If we weren't brainwashed by this toxic conditioning, if it wasn't taking the wind out of our sails and leaving us discouraged and helpless feeling, powerless feeling to make our marriages what we want. Without this toxic messaging, which by the way, none of us living in our Western worlds has escaped this messaging. It's just kind of like we, we breathe it in almost. We take it in by osmosis. But without this messaging, we would feel free and safe and deserving enough to really put ourselves into the bit of work it takes, the bit of investment it takes of energy and time and money and learning to to really make that marriage that you want, that we all want as women, to come alive. So even if you are listening to this and you're like, hmm, I'm not really sure that that conditioning she's talking about is showing up in in me, I'm going to invite you right now to look again. If your happiness in marriage really matters to you deep down, because unless your partner swallows some magic pill and suddenly becomes the epitome of the most perfect partner for you, you won't get that marriage without getting rid of this toxic messaging. You'll be unable to get that marriage that you want as long as that toxic conditioning is playing out in your unconscious because it's going to keep you from learning how to live out your power to guide your marriage into the very best one possible because you have that power and although I can't tear down all of this conditioning in you today in one fell swoop I do want to help toss a few of these toxic myths out for you and give you the truth instead which is the ticket to the relationship you want so let's dissect this first one are you ready the first one is the totally ridiculous idea that we should not need to learn solid relationship skills to keep love alive and gracefully, easily navigate the inevitable challenges we confront in our marriages as a team. This one's so funny and I don't really know why the myth, this myth is there. Maybe there's some like idea deep in our DNA that relationships should just come naturally But obviously, obviously, to be good at anything, 
we need to learn, right? To ride a bike, you need to learn. To speak a language, we all needed to learn that, right? As infants, we had to learn. To play basketball, to cook, to be a doctor or an artist or anything, we need to learn. And great relationships is no different. We all need to learn the skills of lasting love and great relationships if we want to have one, right? They're not just instinctual, these skills. Having a great relationship isn't just instinctual. Sure, there's some elements that are, but certainly not all of it. And anything or anyone that implies otherwise is just plain wrong. So the actual truth is that to have the love you want in your marriage with this partner or any partner, you will need to learn the skills to keep that love alive between you over time and to handle challenges and work together as a team and to meet your partner in such a way that they want to work with you. And notice, I say you will need to learn this because you can't make your partner learn it. Your job is to learn it for yourself. And it will, I promise, change everything for the best in your relationship. So the reframe on this myth is to have the kind of relationships we want, we need to do our own work and learn key relationship skills that we can always use to navigate challenges, solve problems, and get closer and more and more connected with our significant other. The next toxic myth that I, I want to help melt away for you is that somehow it's selfish to spend your resources of time and energy and money on creating the well-being and love that you want. Sorry, but it isn't selfish at all all. And there is science behind this. So let me explain. No matter what was said to you in the past, no matter what you've believed about yourself, the truth is you need no other reason than you're alive and that you want it to put yourself into making your marriage into one you love. And you don't need to do it to be a better person or to make anyone else's life better. You can just do it for you because you're way more than worthy of it. Because your fulfillment and happiness in love matters. Because you have a right to a relationship you love for no other reason than you are a human being and you are alive. And because I believe that part of my mission is to help sensitive women like you really own that, I'm going to say it again. You need no other reason than you are alive and you want it to choose to put resources of your energy and your time and even money into making your marriage what you want. Because here's the truth. Taking care of your relationship is taking care of you. This is especially true for those of us who are highly sensitive. As you heard in the last episode, if you listened, about the boost and plummet effect. Because as HSPs, we are more deeply impacted by our relationships than non 
sensitive people. Meaning, when our relationships are good, we're so much better off. And when they are bad, we suffer deeply. So taking care of your relationship is truly a direct way of taking care of you. And taking care of you is taking care of your relationship. Especially for HSPs, we can tend to put others first at our own expense. But that's only going to lead to costing others who are close to us. And over time, making our relationships and the people in them, including ourselves, suffer. If you're curious about that, that's what I call overcare. I made a whole episode about it. It's episode 94. It's a key episode for HSPs. And so really listen up here. Taking care of you is also taking care of them, your loved ones, especially if you have children or grandchildren in your life. So you getting to the place where you're so emotionally well, where you're feeling so supported and loved, where your home life is a sanctuary of connection and calm and emotional nourishment, that is a huge part of what determines your children and grandchildren's deep, lifelong emotional well-being, physical health, and success in their relationships. Here's why. And this is the science that proves this. And and this is the bad news. I'm going to get that part over with first. There's a long list of chronic health and emotional conditions that are connected to adversity in children's early lives and being in constant low, even just low level stress environments, such as when there is unhappiness or discord in their parents' marriage. It takes a massive toll on their sense of safety and security and spikes their stress levels. And when this happens in those formative years, it can wire that into them in a way that makes it hard later in life to feel safe and secure and emotionally balanced. It can lead to having a very hard time in their future life partnership, as well as depression and anxiety and chronic health issues such as autoimmune diseases and more. It's been shown that this is true when children grow up in a home with parents who are, listen up here, sticking together for the kids, but actually hate each other or are fighting a ton or just having a chronic cold war. So if you're unhappy, just staying in your marriage isn't the solution. The solution to all of this, to your wellness, the marriage's wellness, and your children or any grandchildren is your emotional well-being because so much of a child's well-being and success in life can be traced to mama's well-being in those early years especially in the first few years but also during the whole childhood if mom is feeling at all unsupported or is hurting or stressed or emotionally off kilter as we sensitives most often are if things are hard in our marriage the young child does not get what it needs to develop its nervous system properly. And when that happens, all of those emotional and physical health issues that I just mentioned can haunt a child for life if they don't actively address it and heal it. And to go a bit further, we can trace much of the horrific aspects in the modern world, such as the rise of gun violence, to dysfunction in the home of origin. And my guess is to mama not being emotionally well because she herself did not have the emotional support she needed. So I know that's a lot 
And I want you to know that absolutely zero of this is to guilt trip you. It's meant to empower you and show you how much your emotional well-being matters. You becoming emotionally well and relationally well, that means well within your relationship, is essential for the well-being of the future of the children you know and love or will know and love soon, which actually means your well-being determines the future of our planet. And the health of our world hinges on you having healthy relationships. And the good news is that what makes the future humans well is you being well in your heart, in your relationship. And that is something you can absolutely create if you commit to it. If you decide to invest yourself in various ways into it and lay to rest the old-fashioned, outdated idea that it's selfish to do so. Because it just isn't. Yes, you benefit, but so does the world. You having that marriage, you being well and nourished and fulfilled, will nourish your offspring and your offspring's offspring and on and on into the future. And I see this myself in my own children. My oldest son recently left, spread his wings, flew the coop. He's 18, he's on a gap year, and he's adventuring in the world. And among many of the feelings I've been having, one of the biggest has been kind of wonder and pride at how me and my partners in raising them have created such amazing children, have created such an amazing eldest child and the younger ones too. People are always telling me what wonderful, amazing kids I have. And I know without a doubt that part of this has been because me and my ex-husband and me and my current husband and my ex and his current partner, we've made sure to put our well-being as a top priority as well as making it a priority to maintain and keep growing the love and harmony in our relationships so our kids get the best of their parents and they are raised in a loving supportive nurturing environment and all of us particularly me have put a lot of energy and investment into being so well in ourselves. And of course, I know that it's paid off for me emotionally, but it's the most beautiful thing to look at, to bear witness to how well it's paid off for my children. So the real truth is that it is the opposite of selfish to put yourself into healing old hurtful patterns in your relationship and developing true emotional wellness and relationship wellness in your marriage. It is actually generous to yourself, to your family, and to the future people of this world. So let's move on to the third and last love-crushing myth that we so often subscribe to, to our marriage's detriment, 
which is to improve things, both people in the relationship need to be up for working on it or else things won't get better. Now, as a side note, all of these myths, the way I put them, it might sound a little different than the way you put them or you've kind of heard them. But basically, if anything like he's not putting enough in, it's not fair, how come I have to be the one to do it? Uh, Or we really can't improve unless he starts doing things differently. That's a version of this myth. And this one is so crippling. And unfortunately, most people believe this. But the truth is thinking that your partner needs to be super involved in trying to improve things between you can actually make it a lot harder to improve things in your marriage. Because for one, a lot of time, what I find is that our partners don't really want to do the work or are resistant to it or don't really understand the value of it or feel too confronted by it or just uncomfortable about doing it. If you're married to a man, this is very likely going on to some degree. And so many of the approaches out there to having better relationships, to growing your relationship in positive ways, depend on both partners working together. Like I love the Gottman Institute and their work and what they teach But what they teach depends on having a willing partner who is really up for learning and reading and applying new techniques and really putting themselves into it and being super relationship oriented. But the reality of many of your relationships, those of you who are listening, is that your partner isn't ready or willing to do that or to the degree required. So then what? You're kind of screwed if you believe that he needs to be actively involved and he isn't being actively involved. You're left feeling discouraged and helpless and totally disempowered. On top of that, as crazy as it may sound, I've seen time and again that when our partner is willing to go into couples counseling with one of my clients, it often backfires. Really, it's the rule and not the exception that I've seen with clients is that couples therapy, when they've tried it, didn't really work. And I've thought a lot about it. And I think that the reason for this is that what happens is when we're like, hey, we're working on this together. And that's what we're believing is happening. We actually tend to take our eye and focus off of ourselves to a large degree. And we put a lot of responsibility for changing things into our partner's hands. We might even feel like we don't have to work quite as hard or put as much into our own growth because our partner is supposed to be growing too, right? Which means we're not doing our own work nearly as deeply and thoroughly and powerfully as we could and need to. And then we aren't seeing real change especially if our partner isn't succeeding in creating a lot of change on his side, which of course is going to leave us totally discouraged and powerless to change things. So I did this in my own first marriage. And because hindsight is crystal clear, I now see how it made it much harder to shift the dynamic between him and I into one much more full of all the good stuff, right? And honestly, even in my own coaching practice with my clients, 
when I've started to do couples work too early with clients, the same thing happens. The woman starts having less agency because she's focusing on her partner changing and her partner doing the work more than doing her own work. And when she's trying to hold her partner accountable for doing his work, it takes away from doing her own work and ends up causing power struggles. And then things tend to actually get harder and not better. So this is why I've learned to never do couples work until I've worked with a woman for a solid period of time first. So she's really had a full opportunity to focus on doing her work and strengthening those really important emotional skills and relationship skills from her, on her end. Now, of course, this is not saying there's no place for your partner to do his work. Of course there is. And in an ideal world, he is doing that work. But we don't live in an ideal world and we can't actually control whether or not our partners are doing their work. Luckily, what's actually true and what actually works way better is focusing your relationship improving attention purely on you and how you relate to your partner and yourself. That is actually the quickest, easiest, most powerful path to having a great marriage. What I have found time and again is that when we focus our relationship work on ourselves, on how we engage in the relationship, on how we feel in the relationship, which by the way, we actually have tons of power over, on how we love, on how we communicate, and how we support in the relationship, and we take charge of that, we will truly influence our partner to be more of the partner we want. Not only from there, do we watch in wonder as we feel so much better and we see a fading of tension and arguments and disconnection and a kind of enlivening of ease and lightheartedness and love, but we also see our partner be more willing to work on how he shows up with us and how affectionate he is with us and how good of a listener he becomes and on how he reacts and communicates. In other words, in a nutshell, being willing to do your work first and focus on being the partner you want to have, really living that out every day, gives you real leverage to influence your partner to do his work from a firm-footed, high-integrity place. As you do your work, your partner becomes more willing to do his work until you're really both growing alongside each other and really soak up the growing love and connection and sense of being a team in your marriage together. And this is not just me painting a pretty picture for you. My clients who actually do this, who actually focus on themselves and how they are showing up in the relationship are always telling me how amazing it is. I'm going to share with you just a few quotes that I've heard in the last week or so from from clients. So one client said the other day, my willingness to show up differently is leading him to be more willing to show up differently too. 
Another client just said, he sees the work I'm doing and is responding differently to me because I'm not blowing up anymore and I'm listening better. He is too. He even thanked me for listening better the other day. And in another client session the other day, she shared with me that things have been going incredibly well. As I started reacting more calmly, we were able to have much easier communication. And my husband noticed. After a little while of this, and just the other day, my husband reminded me while we were having a slightly heated conversation that we could actually have a calm conversation instead of raising our voices. And that was a first from his end. She went on to say, I'll tell you, you are helping me help him. I don't think we ever would have come to the conclusion that we both needed to change, but in different ways without me doing this work first. It helped that he saw I was willing to make that effort and I was willing to start it. Someone has to start it. When you get to the point of so much resentment and hard feelings, it's almost like a competition. So it's powerful when one person, me, says, I'm no longer wanting this dynamic. I just want a good relationship. And I'm willing to put that effort in. And then the other follows suit. Things are really good now. So those were three different clients in the last couple of weeks sharing their experience of this. And I do believe that it always surprises my clients when they see this happening. It feels like magic to them, but only because they have been believing, as we are all conditioned to believe, that they don't have much power to improve things on their own without their husband actively doing that work, right? So when they start to see, wait, I do have the power, I am making change on my own, and he's now actually involving himself in that growing and changing, it feels like magic. But to me, it really isn't that surprising because it is how it works in reality. We don't need our partner to actively work on the relationship or to be super motivated to do exercises and reading and counseling. We just need to stay on our side of the street and do our work and then magic happens. And I think the other reason why this myth that uh, it takes both of us to make our relationship great, it's just a terrible myth for us specifically as HSPs and, and why I believe that the opposite is so true for us. The opposite being that focusing on your own growth work is what will transform your marriage most easily, quickly, and thoroughly is that we HSPs, by zero fault of our own, tend to have some learning and growing to do just to understand ourselves as highly sensitive people, seeing as, unfortunately, our society never helped us with this. And our society hasn't made it easy for us to understand ourselves or know how to support ourselves as sensitive people. So we have to learn how to work with and honor and guide our big emotions, our energy, our different or sensitive nervous system and brains. And when we do this work on ourselves, as we relate to our sensitivity and our relationship and our partner, as we develop and live out all of these skills ourselves, the culture of our relationship shifts in a way that brings out the best in our partner and encourages and invites him to be that more loving partner that we wanted in the first place. 
So in other words, you are the one that can change it all for the best. Even if your partner isn't putting much in to help improve things right now, you can still have the kind of marriage you've always wanted with your current spouse. But not if you keep subscribing to the old toxic myths that keep you so discouraged, that cripple you, that take your power away, that keep you from making the choice to learn the skills and harness your immense power to make your marriage one you are so fulfilled and happy in, which in the end helps no one in your family. So if you want to not only help your family, and your children, and the world, but make your marriage the one that you want for yourself. If you want that relationship that you've been wanting to really finally come alive, it's time to choose to stop holding on to those old toxic myths and choose what will get you the love you want. I hope that this podcast episode has helped you be able to see that these old societal messages, these these toxic myths are stopping you from having the marriage you want. They're stopping you from really going all in on learning what you need to learn, on investing in yourself and in your marriage, and on making the changes that you have power over, which is so many. And I hope that this episode is helping you see that there actually is a way that goes against these myths that might even feel kind of countercultural, but that actually work. You've probably heard me say that the, the work that I do with my clients is counterinstinctual. I actually think the more correct term is just it's countercultural because we, we don't let the old myths that make love harder have sway when you work with me. In our work that we do together, we focus on where you truly have power, which is within your own mind and body and heart. And we create tons of connection and all the good stuff by focusing there, not focusing where it doesn't work. And this is why my work works. It doesn't subscribe to those old myths. And therefore, it makes what feels like magic changes come to life in my clients' marriages. Now, of course, this is the work we do in Treasured on a deep level. Now, of course, I offer some of my process on the podcast, bits and pieces, but we don't go nearly as in-depth, nor do you get my targeted help on your unique challenges in your unique relationship So I highly encourage you to learn more about Treasured and join us in this round. My clients can't say enough good stuff, can't be more pleased with how choosing to take a risk and go against what is normally taught in our normal culture, meaning go against these toxic myths, how much goodness that that has brought them personally and how much Goodness, it has brought their marriage and their family. So join us. You can have that too. Remember, you get the whole bonus course if you sign up by November 4th. The doors officially close November 8th, so do not wait any longer than that. It will be 
probably at least six months before I open Treasured up again. And this is currently the only way to work with, with me. You can you can join Treasured and then work one-on-one with me from there as well. So don't wait. Your marriage, your happiness, your family's happiness, it all matters so much. And this is your chance to truly bring it to life, even if you've tried other things and they haven't worked so well. So learn more and Join us at the link in the show notes or head over to www.lifeisworthloving.com slash treasured. And if you're on the edge at all, if you're like, well, the podcast is enough, I think I can use the podcast, that's fine. I know that some of you will choose that. But if you are thinking about doing that, I highly recommend listening to the podcast episode called the different types of investing in marriage for lasting happiness. That's episode 119 because there are impacts of the choice to just using the podcast as your main source of this work. There are impacts on, on both you and your loved ones. And some of those are positive and some of them are, are definitely less positive. And I just want you to be informed about that before you decide to pass up this round of treasured. All right, my friends, for those of you who are joining me in this round of Treasured, I cannot wait to support you. You're going to be so thrilled that you made this choice for yourself. And to everybody else, be oh so well for the next several weeks until our next podcast episode.